Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the BRC's Feeding Frenzy, where we talk more than just breastfeeding. Over the years, lactation consultants have seen a benefit of working with physical therapists when faced with more challenging feeding issues. And today, we'll be talking, excuse me, to Dr. Brian Nichols of Balanced Baby PT. He's located in Orland, PA, and the BRC is super lucky to have him in the neighborhood. We have about a half an hour with Brian because he's about to teach our infant massage class. So let's get started. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me, Colette. Sure, no problem. Uh, First of all, tell us a little bit about your career background. What got you interested in physical therapy and what was your concentrated area? My big background in physical therapy and why I wanted to become a physical therapist really hinged on me wanting to find a career that helped others, helped individuals, Um, I knew it was probably somewhere in the medical field. Um, I didn't want to go into a field where um, I was like cutting people open though. I didn't (laughs) want to cut cut animals open. Like I didn't want to be doing surgery, like that kind of stuff. Not because I'm squeamish, but because I didn't want to, well, I didn't want to be the vet coming out and saying, well, something happened to your dog or your cat. I didn't want to have to do that with a loved one. And so, like, for me, I knew that that was going to cause me anxiety and cause me to not be as an effective provider. Um, So physical therapy was really that non-surgical realm where I was able to help people. And looking back on it now and and what I'm doing with Balanced Baby is that it comes back to empowering other people. I didn't want to be the person who you went to and said, oh, you have this pain, like here's some medication. Or in the infant realm, like, oh, this baby has a frenulum that may be restricted in there, let's just snip it and go. So that type of intervention for me was, all right, how do I empower the person I'm working with? And that's really why I ended up going to physical therapy, because I found that that was likely the best profession that at least in my experience seeing physical therapists, I felt the most empowered by, where I was able to do more. I mean, just in my own experience of having a surgery, it was the PT that put me on the right path after the surgery was done. And I'm always just so amazed that they know just what to do and which muscles and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that's impacting the issue. So what was your concentrated area? I really moved hard into the outpatient orthopedic realm. I went through residency training afterwards, residency training, and anything beyond our doctorate in physical therapy is optional. There's no requirement like there is for physicians to go through residency or fellowship. Um, and so I went and I'm like, I really enjoy orthopedics. I really enjoy working with orthopedic, orthopedic injuries and helping people at that point. The, so I went through residency and then I started going through fellowship and manual therapy. Um, became a clinical director, so I was um, the head of a 
25 employee clinic um, in New Jersey. Um, and then I kind of looked around and I'm like, you know, this isn't quite the environment I want to be in. Um, individuals were restricted by their insurance. I had people refer directly to me and they would come to see me and I'd, I'd treat them. And then because they hadn't met their deductible yet, they got a $450 bill for that single session. Yes. So I said, okay, I'm going to step away from this type of environment and go out on my own. So I went out on my own um, in the orthopedic realm. Um, and I was primarily working with orthopedic injuries at that point. And I finished my fellowship in manual therapy, which is the highest like didactic training you can do um, in the clinical realm. Okay. Um, so if I wanted to do research, I could have gotten a PhD like everyone else does who wants to do research. Um, but I wanted to be in the clinic more. So I did a fellowship in manual therapy. Um, the next kind of area why I concentrated in what I did was because I didn't want other entities controlling what the individual in front of me could do. Right. Um, which is a big reason why I don't take insurance right now um, is because I don't want somebody to come to me and me say, okay, you haven't met your deductible yet. You have the session will cost you $250 versus somebody who has met their deductible and me saying, okay, you have a copay of $60. My partner just went to physical therapy in network and her copay was $80. So right. it's not like the copay is cheap and we have a no deductible plan. Um, so I really wanted to concentrate on empowering the individual and like cutting out everything in between me and the person I'm working with. Yeah, the insurance is ruling how you practice, Yes, which is a shame. So I'm dying to know, how did you get into working with babies? So it's interesting. I just got a text message this morning from a family who the father was skeptical of me working with them. Uh -huh. um, the baby went um, from like, struggling to get in like 18 to 20 ounces a day at three months old wow. and they I got a text this morning like they took 30 like yesterday like everything's going in a good direction like my husband was really skeptical and now he thinks you're a miracle worker <laughs> right and I was I was that individual who my son when he was born he was less than 15 minutes old when we were told he had a tongue tie um I I have some mixed, I have some strong feelings against that person who said that. Um, it definitely sent us down a path. Um, he had a scissor release, he had a laser phrenotomy, and he still couldn't nurse. We were triple feeding, we triple fed for almost like three months, three and a half months. Um, and my That's partner, yeah. No one does it that long because it's, it's not sustainable. No. Um, yeah. And my partner went back to work while doing it. Wow. Because the pandemic happened. Um, and so my son was born in January of 2020 and the world shut down three months later. Right. Um, I was still doing some orthopedic stuff at the time and um, I was doing some home care part time as well. Um, I was furloughed from my home care job and my baby wasn't able to eat. And we're like, where do we go? And I'm like, I don't really want to take them to a chiropractor. I have respect for chiropractors that I know, um, but the ones I don't, I know that just like a PT I don't know. 
there's a spectrum that you'll get when you go. It's a right. luck of the draw. Right. Um, With any profession. Exactly. And so I was skeptical, and I'm like, what does the research show? And so I was very much in the research around tongue ties and like what helped, what didn't, what was effective. And despite phrenectomy, despite a laser revision, my son still couldn't eat. Um, he didn't stick his tongue out past his lips until he was about a year old. Wow. And on a side, for his two month first dental checkup, um, the dentist's like, oh, he has a tongue tie. I'm like, we're done dealing with that. He can stick <laughs> his tongue out. He has functional movement. We're going to leave that how it is. So my uh, after son. After the scissor. Yes. And after yes. he still had it. Oh, geez. Yes. And it really was that as a catalyst to say, okay, like, what could we have done better? Or like what, like, as a physical therapist who looks at motion and efficiency and quality of movement, what could I, like, like what type of thing could I do? Our lactation consultant, while in the room with us, turned to me and goes, why aren't you doing this? Because my, the lactation consultant was like, I seem a little tight. They might work. They might benefit from some body work. And I'm like, I'm like well, they're tight here, tight here, tight here, tight here. And they, they look, turn to look at me and goes, why aren't you doing this? So that was really the catalyst to kind of shift me into this space, especially with the pandemic shutting everything down and me going okay what am i going to do while i'm furloughed and what am i going to do and i'm like you know what like let me just absorb everything i can in this area um and that's what i did for from the summer of 2020 to the spring of 21 um where i, I learned about babies learned <laughs> about babies i learned about fragile infant feeding i learned about different bodywork techniques different um, I already had the manual therapy background. Right. And it was like, okay, what do we, what's out there that we can apply to this? On my, and this is why I, I don't, I, I have respect for every profession, um, is because in my office at home, I have a textbook that's pediatric osteopathy, pediatric chiropractic, pediatric physical therapy. Like, I have all of those things because there's overlap between the professions. Right. And so you can get body work from any of those three. Um, and even OTs will do body work. Some speech therapists will. But physical therapists look at it from the lens of let's look at quality and efficiency. Okay. And with a baby who is struggling to feed, they struggle to transfer. They, they fall asleep. They become dysregulated. They pull off and get flooded. And I see that with the breast and the bottle bowl. Right. And what happens is when you're in that cycle, that's when you start heading towards aversion. And having babies that are willing to stay latched, stay attached, and like work towards it and work efficiently, a lot of it comes down to improving the quality and efficiency of the motion. Um, and that comes down to helping them relax areas of their body so their tongue can come up because they're not flexed and curled up. Right. They are able to eat that way. Um, and so... And after being in that position for nine months, yeah. some of them need some work to get out of it. And I also remind parents that around 28 weeks is when we start to see the um, suck reflex start in utero. Mm -hmm. And so if they've been practicing for, say, 12 weeks, a specific motion and then they come out and that's the motion they've been practicing because they have tension because of position in utero 
then all of a sudden they struggle and they need to kind of relearn. Right. Um, it's not like they're starting at zero and going from there. And so it's not always a quick fix. Correct. Um, it's uh, what I what I what I like to look at is is trends. Um, I talk about it as a nudge. Um, I didn't like the the people who we saw that were like, all right, here's four different exercises to do in their mouth. We had the phrenotomy done, and here's all the exercises you have to do post-care. It's like, we're just doing exercises all day long, and like we're already sleep-deprived, we're already struggling. And looking at the, the research in orthoped the orthopedic realm, I know that if I give an adult three exercises to do, on average, one will get done because only about a third of individuals will do those yep. exercises. So with adults, I'd switch to, here's this one thing you need to do. Okay. Um, with babies, I try and give, okay, here's how you do it with bottle feeding. Here's how you do it with holding them and positioning. When you are changing them, maybe you change which side their head is on. It's those little things that parents can integrate and do that can have a big impact. Right. Instead of here's three exercises to strengthen the tongue. Right. Um, and I've and I as I've gone as I've worked more in the area, I've really moved into that space of okay, how do I provide the most support with as minimal change to the parent's routine as possible? Because they're already overwhelmed. Exactly. Exactly. And at wit's end. Um, I mean, I work with babies who are like looking at failure to thrive and NG tubes and like they're they're struggling to eat from the bottle and they're very dysregulated and struggling and and like helping them come back and then move forward. It's kind of like a like a take a deep breath, exhale and the whole family exhales together. Yeah. So what what is your routine? What is there like a standard way you evaluate mm-hmm. a baby? Yeah. So when when I when I have a baby, the I look at it from the process of regulation, relaxation, movement, and then we get to empowerment. So the idea is that if we look at the research from adults, which we don't have a lot of inf- infant research because it's hard to get approval for it, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are retrospective, like, oh, we treated these 100 babies and this is what happened. Um, so looking at that and going, okay, if somebody is, anybody, is very fragile, fr- frazzled, stressed out, you kind of have to bring them back and help them just have a little bit more regulation in their yeah. system. You don't want to push them over because if you push them to, if you try and relax them too fast, if you try and move them too fast, they, well, to put it bluntly, when I first started practicing, those people wouldn't come back to see me. <laughs> <laughs> we all had those moments in our career. <laughs> yes, yes. I am a much better provider than I was 10 years ago. And I am a, I will be a much better provider 10 years from now, hopefully, <clears throat> because I try and do my best to put in that work and effort to have an actual system mm-hmm. instead of a, okay, your baby has, has weakness of their tongue. Here's how you, here's exercises to strengthen the tongue. I get to the why and how do we reflexively do that? <clears throat> Excuse me. So we start with regulation and then we move to 
once a baby is regulated and they're not screaming and they're kind of let's engage yep <clears throat> i then move to relaxation and this is where body work really comes in so with body work <clears throat> excuse me i'd offer you water but i don't have any <laughs> i don't either um so the when we get to relaxation we're looking at body work and with body work we're looking at especially with a baby we're looking at how we move from that flex state in utero to a more extended state okay the easiest way i can describe it is if you're going to take a big drink of water you're going to tilt your head back because that'll allow you to swallow and a lot of babies that are struggling with eating either at the breast or the bottle have trouble with that swallow right now if they're having trouble with that swallow if you have them upright which i'm not really sure where the upright feeding craze came from <laughs> because i mean we don't I, I, was, I was telling my partner i'm like we don't like when you're breastfeeding a baby you don't like climb on top of them and you're like all right let me just <laughs> like smash like and like here like let me just express into your mouth right like they're on their side or they're yeah, laid back yeah. they have more control over it so when a baby is when a baby is having trouble extending and relaxing and moving into that position what happens is a lot of times the muscles in the front of their neck or even somewhere in their lower abdominals and their hips will be flexed forward mm -hmm. relaxing those areas helps open that up and the muscle that attaches to the back of the tongue also attaches to a bone in the neck okay or hyoid bone and so if there's tightness pulling the hyoid bone down, the back of the tongue can't elevate. And as you know, Colette, if the back of the tongue can't elevate, a baby can't swallow. Correct. And if the back of the tongue can't elevate with a seal and then drop down, they can't create a vacuum to express milk. Right. And so it all ties into helping that area relax. The next step is movement. And when we get to movement, we're really looking at babies who are have either tension or they had tension and it's more low tone and they're having trouble with a sequencing. Mm -hmm. These are the babies that are having trouble with bringing their tongue forward and stabilizing their tongue forward. Right. Um, and then they don't have as good a seal, right? Right. Um, so helping that, them move after they're relaxed allows them to move more efficiently so they're not fighting their body. Right. So that's Makes why sense. I have the sequence. Yeah. And then once it, we're, we're supporting a baby with movement, and I do this in many ways. I do this with, there's, there may be one exercise I give parents, and I, I talk about it as play. Like when you're playing with your, your baby, like here's, how, here's something you wanna do when you, you have your baby on your lap and you're interacting with them. Right. It's not a like do this exercise, do this one, do this one. Right, right. And then. Because you have to give yeah. them the opportunity. When, when can you do this? Because mm -hmm. you can't do it if they're tired. You can't do it if they're yep. hungry. You can't do it. And yep. that's a constant change in behavior throughout the day for these newborn babies. And Colette, let me ask you, in your, in, in your experience, how quickly does a baby change, like a, under three month old? very quickly yeah. you go from step to step to step all uh -huh. day long over and over again so you have to find the moments you can't yeah. be giving them specific numbers it's like when this happens yes it's chaos <laughs> yes. it's chaos and when when you're when you're working with chaos the goal is really let's how do you integrate it in right and so i look at play i'm like here's when you're giving the bottle here's how you angle the bottle to cue a little bit more efficiency this is where my PT background really comes in because PTs, our lens as the non-surgical musculoskeletal experts, 
R is how do we improve efficiency and quality of movement to reduce fill in the blank. Right. Pain, um, tension, uh, discomfort, any of those things. Yeah. And so by helping that movement by having a directed exercise instead of a shotgun approach where you go, okay, here's a bunch of exercises that help or like the tongue function. That way, parents are less overwhelmed, babies are getting that feedback a couple times a day, and then they can start integrating it instead of pulling back and going backwards and going, I can't do this, right. I'm going to tense up, now I'm dysregulated. And see, that's where the process and going down that line and through the process really comes in. Right. So when I see a baby, I start with regulation. And is the baby regulated? If they're not, that's where my focus is. If they are, I do, is there stuff that we need to help relax and move? Yeah. Um, relax to move and then if they are relaxed and willing to move like how do we help them move it and then we get to the spontaneousness the empowerment one of the big things that I see with um, with phrenotomies becoming more prevalent is that it's again a thing done to somebody that doesn't allow them to or encourage them to necessarily spontaneously do and and succeed right, right um especially if they have those other things because there's babies who are have a frenulum and they are regulated they're relaxed they're willing to move they just can't right and so, and then, so in that case that would help exactly <laughs> but yeah and you know, we've been talking about that for years. Mm -hmm. Like, why is it this perfect solution for some babies and for others, it's a hot mess? And those were the ones who needed yeah. all of those other things. And that goes to research that has come out of New Zealand where they looked at the function of the tongue as a measurement of who should get a phrenotomy. Mm -hmm. And in New Zealand, the, they looked at two different cities and they made the change because they have a national healthcare system. Uh, they made the change of we're not going to pay for phrenotomies or we're not going to provide phrenotomies for babies that don't meet these criteria in the sink, this one city. Okay. So they decide that and then they look over, I think it's a two year period. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, like what happened between these two like similar cities? And pre phrenotomy levels were around like 12 and a half, 13%. After the change in using a functional assessment for uh -huh. whether they should have a phrenotomy or not, it went to 3%. Okay. So it cut it by 75%. Yeah. And then they said, okay, but what happened to those, those individuals? Yeah. Did we see any change in how many individuals were exclusively breastfeeding? Right. Um, like infant, like mother satisfaction with breastfeeding, like pain, those pain, type of things. Yeah, did, was mom taken into account? Exactly. <laughs> so it was the self-reported stuff from the moms okay. that they looked at. And what they found was that if they used a cutoff of four on what's the Bristol tongue assessment tool, mm -hmm. that babies, whether they had phrenotomy or not, did similar. Babies that were four or below did better with a tongue tie, with a, a with, with, with a release. Yes. Yeah, with the okay. release. So with that release, they did better. Right. And so that's where that's what I use when thinking about does a baby need one or not. Right. And so I go through the four different components of that tool. Um, I actually have a, a flow sheet on my Instagram at Balance Baby PT. Um, 
that goes through, okay, like, what do we see? Because it's not just, it's there. Let's right. cut it. Right. It's how does their tongue move? How right. high does it elevate? Does it cup when it elevates? Can they get milk? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we look at function. And so we look at function. Then you have that gray, what's called the gray area. Mm-hmm. And speaking with dental providers, that gray area, for some, for some providers, they're like, I won't do it. For mm-hmm. some providers, they're like, yeah, I'll give, leave it up to the parents. And we were in that position. Like, my son was a five on the BTAP. Okay. And I'm like, do we do it? Do we not? Do we do it? Do we not? Let, let's just do it. Like, we want to give him the best opportunity. Right. No change. Um, for yeah. us. Yeah. And so I really felt that that middle ground, that gray area, was an area that, what's going on there? Right. And a lot of times, it's that a baby can't stay regulated to feed. It can't. They can't. They aren't relaxed through the feed. They're not able to move. And so then they can't do anything. Yeah. And then you look at research on body work and babies that go through body work and you see, okay, they are showing the factors on, um, of more activity for the baby than what the mom is doing or the, the feeding parent is doing. Right. So that's where body work comes in in that gray area, that five to six round. Most of the time, if a baby has, you know, they can't stick their tongue out all the way, but everything else is looking good. Lactation is, will get you there. Right. Like, and my flow chart includes that. And it's like, all right, go see, go see lactation. Lactation will be able to help direct you and what extra support, if anything, you need. Because you'll be like, this doesn't quite look right. Um, and, and then you send to physical therapy or another body worker, and that helps them then go and see, okay, now we've improved that movement because, again, we've improved that quality and efficiency. Right. Well, I sometimes find that even the parent needs some deregulation, too. Um, to that, is, that is why I've, in the past six months, I've gone through the, um, the our national organization has a training um, that is... Um, through uh, OB stuff, it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not your just pelvic it's not just pelvic floor. It's what happens during and around pregnancy, and orthopedic stuff as well as like postpartum stuff, how to return to activity, and so I actually do that area as well. Awesome. Um, and so I actually do combo visits with yeah. with families because there's support that sometimes support of. The whole, more of the system helps yes. to help an overall impact. Absolutely. Um, lactation consultants have been saying that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is wonderful. I know you need to get to your infant massage class. Um, and we know your website is Balanced Baby PT. And what's the best way to make an appointment with you? So on my website, uh, you can either make an appointment directly. Um, if you just search Balanced Baby PT, there's a link through Google. However, if you go to my website, there is, if you're on your phone, there is a chat button that you can click and it'll directly text me and my number directly. Nice. That is the easiest way to contact me. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, if you're like, I don't want to talk to him right now, because I will, <laughs> I will text you back, even if it's two in the morning and I'm feeding my daughter. If, it, if you want to just provide a short blurb, you can scroll to the bottom and you can provide your email address, phone number, contact information, et cetera, um, to reach out through my website and through email. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the BRC's Feeding Frenzy, and maybe we'll have you back soon. Wonderful. Glad to be here. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.